he suddenly hears Goose at the piano when the two of them were carefree before Goose died. And, and if you want, by the way, the one award that they did was just sick, the sick the intellectual pygmies in Hollywood with their woke culture stuff. Um, this movie won one award. It was editing. But if you watch the editing, the way they cut from one scene to another, if you watch it, it's, it's pretty amazing the way they link things up. Um, in, in that one scene where, where Pete gets thrown out and suddenly Rooster starts playing that song, he stops and looks back. And you can watch 30 years, what has it been, 20 years, whatever it's been, of age, following him. And all these men inside, playing, laughing, they're drinking beers, they're going to have fun. They're, they're at the top of their line recruits. They're cocky, they're arrogant. They know they're the best. They're having fun, they're drinking beers. Maverick, so this, this is the same Maverick in one, but 20 years later. He stops and we see him. It's like Aeneas with Odysseus and Achilles. He's carrying gravity. Nobody else does. He stops. So we get this scene of, of, of um, Goose um, ejecting, and then the body of the water with blood around it. So um, just close against the scene of everybody in the bar and having fun and this great balls of fire is the scene of Goose time in the ocean, Maverick's arms around. You're all following. So on one level, we're watching this guy who's going to become a teacher of these brilliant Top Gun, you know, cadets, and this past that he's carrying. So the, um, the way in which the movie keeps bringing in that earlier movie to show the, the importance of suffering, the role it plays, the wisdom that it brings a man to. Aeschylus said that we don't come to wisdom except through suffering. It's the means to it. The whole modern world wants to do everything to get rid of suffering. It, it, in one sense, it keeps us stupid. Um, the tension between authorities. Watch the admirals, even though they're all ranking officers, and the tensions between them. Cain, or um, Iceman, keeps rescuing them. Cain hates him. And um, what's the other? Cyclone hates him. So we're watching levels of authority work. And remember, one of the great things of the Iliad was two levels of authority, conventional, natural. Those who have authority by convention, all the officers, those who have these gifts that nobody else has, Achilles, Maverick, Iceman. They're the men who have these special gifts um, that others have to look up to because they have, not only do they have the ability, but they have the courage to risk something. So they're always doing something that other men can't. That's just a fact of life. All of us know that. We can't all do what everybody does. This notion of equality is one of those deadly ideologies, dogmas of the modern world. We're not all equal. Some people are better than others. Whatever, violin, basketball, whatever you call it. Um, so we're watching these tensions, and the biggest tension is between Maverick and, and whole other Maverick and um, Cyclone. You've broken a rule, why are you here? You know, have you died? Um, at the end, um, it's Hangman, who's another Maverick. And it's interesting that Maverick chose him to stay behind. That, uh, uh, I want to come to that in a second. It's one of the most humbling moments in the movie because Hangman is better than all those guys in one sense. Uh, but he has, he has to wait behind, and yet he's the one, the map, he's, he's the maverick and really, he's the one who comes at the end of the same maverick and goose, or rooster, after they see, save each other. So we're watching a movie about military authorities and the conflict, and one of Cain's, I think it was maybe Cyclone, he said, you know, um, I can't remember what he said, or maybe it was Cain, we eat, we drink, you take kisses, you know, you do, but you belong to the past. You're, you're an anachronistic. You're a dinosaur. You're dying. You're not of this age. The whole movie is an affirmation of something in the human spirit greater than machines. Maverick shows that again and again, and then um, Hangman does it again because he's the guy who comes in to save it. So there are these tensions of authority and the importance of authority. 
And I want to say this at the outset. I'll, I'll bring it to a question in a minute. One of the easiest persons to dislike in this movie seems to be a cyclone, major cyclone. You have to hate it at the end. And yet, if you watch it, he's doing everything he should as a major. But it shows, all it does is emphasize the difference between a conventional authority, people who operate by conventions, and people who have these natural gifts who make other people aware that there's something more to humans. And that's why people come in. We see it again and again. One of the most important scenes in the movie is when Maverick gets hit and goes down, and Rooster, who he chose in that, you know, over Hangman, they're all meeting and everybody's saying, we've got to go back to the ship. And Rooster says, wait a minute, where's that? Where? And suddenly, I love it, there's a cut. We don't know what happens. And the next thing we get is Maverick in the snow in the space barrier, and it looks like he's alone, and his helicopter's coming after and shooting, and suddenly the helicopter gets blown up, and then Rooster's plane gets hit, and it, he has to parachute down. And then we see the scene. I want to come back to this. I'm going to save it because I think it's lovely. Anyway, he defined authority. He was supposed to go back to the ship. There's no way in the world he would have left Maverick behind. He hated him. God. He was like a father. <laughs> and you can see the father-son relationship with all these men. All of them are having struggles with their fathers. Um, he hates him. Um, and I want to come back to that. But anyway, this, this, um, these levels of tension between authorities is absolutely central to this work. Thresholds, one of the major, major themes. And by thresholds, I don't mean just physical thre thresholds, which is central to this movie, Mach 10. Maverick was supposed to meet, okay, let me ask you. So Maverick's going, they only have to meet Mach 10. And the next goal would have been Mach, or sorry, they only have to meet Mach 9. He goes out, they don't have to meet Mach 9. He wants to show that they can Mach 10 to show that this program is viable. He gets to Mach 10. So let me ask this. So when he hits Mach, so I'm saying, this is a new Maverick. This is not the kid he watched in Top One. He gets to Mach 10. Is this the old Maverick or the new at that point? <laughs> Seriously, first question. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, he gets Mach 10, and it's like he can't stop from urging himself to go, you know, this one horse, and it blows the plane up. <laughs> so, as good as he is, and as changing he is, and he is, we're meant to feel it, there's something of that old Maverick in him. But I think this whole thing of threshold, there's these physical thresholds, Mach 10, going beyond your limits. Almost every one of the exercises that Maverick performs is to get those young men and the one woman, or a couple of women, um, to meet their thresholds and go beyond. And this goes to what to me is the deeper, deepest thing of the movie. What he's teaching those people to do is die. In the opening scenes when he does all of his movers, remember when they start out, I love the guy, he said, let's put something on this. Put 200 push-ups of the loop. And you have to, I, I do. I mean, I don't look at the way, when I was in the military and younger, um, I'm so aware of the importance of humility after Christ, but I still admire men who, who just have the courage to risk. This guy says, let's put something on this. How about 200 push-ups? <laughs> Which is all Mary was waiting for. He said, sure. And from that point on, he shoots every one of them down. And what we see is all these men doing push-ups. He's teaching them to die. Every one of those men and women thought they were the best. So they went into it thinking they could feed anybody. Maverick shoots every one. He kills them. They're all dead. You have to do these push-ups. And Goose, or Rooster, remembers twice. He's the first one to shot because he's so brave. Remember, he cuts in the way of that one to save the one guy, and the girl says, now you know what Rooster's about. So Rooster already shows he's got something special. He, he is the first one to do push-ups. Ten scenes later, everybody else has gone through it, and Rooster's doing it again, and he's so ticked off and hurt that, um, what's his name, the black guy who's the... Hondo, isn't Hondo? The big guy who's 
he's to me the representative of the, the best of the ordinary man. He's not the ranking, you know, he, he just, he reminds us that there's something good in all of us. And he loves Maverick and Maverick loves him. Um, Rooster's doing his push-ups, and, and Hondo's going, stop, enough, enough. He's not going to stop. He's, he's just not going to stop. It, it's like something beyond himself keeps driving him. So one of the themes of the movie is, and it, it's what Maverick is brought in to teach these kids, these young people, that we can always go beyond our limits if we're helped. And I, I don't want to go there, is that Christ? Is that, you know, how are we going to look at that? But remember, in the beginning, he shoots every one of them down. And when the, when the parameters change and the date gets moved up and Maverick gets thrown out and Cyclone comes in, it, it's amazing to watch what happens, what he's done as a teacher. Remember, Cyclone comes in and says, we're going to lower you. Um, the, the ceiling now is, I don't remember what it was, 300, not 100. And your time is now six minutes instead of two, whatever it was. Every one of those cadets looks at each other. No way. Hmm? In shame. Because they cut. God. Sorry. They've come to believe that they can do something they didn't believe they could do before. Right? I mean, Mag, Mag, Maverick has helped them to see that they even let him defeat it again and again. This guy comes in and wants to save them all, and they all know that the chance that they're getting killed is increased. So one of the things, most important to think about, difference between um, Maverick and Cyclone, Major Cyclone, is Maverick says, "Remember when they first briefing, and I want to bring them back." And Cyclo sits there, sort of stunned as if he never thought about it. Because already in his mind, he had accepted that somebody's not going to come home. Maverick goes into that saying, and bring them home, sir. So he's being really hard on these people because he wants to see these kids come home. When Cyclone reduces the perimeters, they're all looking at each other skeptically, as if somebody came in to make life easier for them and also make it easier to live in the lie, because they knew their chances of dying would increase. So this notion of threshold is both physical and spiritual, psychological. And Mag Maverick is helping these young people to see that they can do more. So um, if you watch the kills, it's really interesting. Maverick kills every one of them in the opening maneuvers, remember? And once the parameters drop, <coughs> and they have to go through that simulation where they actually go through the canyon and nobody can do it. Maverick comes back when they keep crashing in the numbers. They're just simulating, they're going through this thing. And he said, why did you do it? Every one of them has a reason. Do you remember the scene that I'm talking about? And he said, explain it to the family members. You know, give that reason. And every one of them shuts up because they, they know they're rationalizing, they're giving reasons. That this is the, one of the mysteries of the movie. It's as if once you, once you get past those thresholds, because those thresholds represent the expectations of the world knows them, so we're familiar with them, they're okay, we're comfortable, we can do it, we can get an A. This guy is taking every one of them beyond. They're dying. So every one of them is learning to put themselves away. So when he says, what happened? And they start giving those reasons. He, you know, he, he could, I mean, he's so tough-minded at that point. Tell that to the family. And every one of them begins to shut up. Because they know that, that it's here. Remember my definition of faith, hope, charity? For the Christian, faith means having faith when you no longer have a reason to have faith. Love means loving somebody when you no longer have a reason to love somebody. Hope is having hope when things are hopeless, right? That's what Christ gave us. Maverick is doing that with every one of those kids. He keeps saying why, and he keeps taking the reasons away. He's leaving them at this threshold where they can't just use their reason to do what they're doing. And, and it, it's important because, remember he tells, he tells with respect to this threshold, I want to go back to two moments, he tells Rooster early on, don't, don't think, because if you think you're going to die, 
And remember at the end of the scene when um, Maverick goes down and the rooster goes down to save him? And Maverick comes running after the parachute truck because he, he knows the rooster's there. <laughs> I think it's one of the great comedy scenes in the, in the story. He runs up to him, the rooster's just saved his life, he survived, and Maverick comes full force and hits him and says, what are you doing? And, and the, the final shot of that scene is, you told me not to think. <laughs> and the gestures of the two men so there's this wonderful threshold which, um, which separates what we can do with our minds by thinking things through, but also having a mystery, where, where we have to risk, and it's going to take us into a world in which we're not sure what the outcome is going to be. So this whole thing of the thresholds is, is really crucial to the movie. Now I've got two final questions, but before I ask them, because I want to turn it over to you guys, um, I want to give what to me are some special moments. And I'm sorry, I'm too scrambled because we're, we're so, so far behind time. Um, a couple of the thresholds moments that people could miss. I think one of the great threshold moments is when Penny, when Maverick drops her off the first the first time. And I think this after the sailboat. Yeah, it was after the sailboat thing, and she's, she says, thanks. And she turns to God, it's, it's one of the most understated sexual scenes I've ever seen in my life. She says, thanks for the help. And he says, I, you know, I don't think I was much help. And she starts walking towards the doorway, and she says, don't give me that look. <laughs> and once again, he says, what? Because remember the bar? She says, don't give me that look. And she's walking down the the sidewalk and says, don't give me that look. And he's going, what look? She said, she doesn't turn, she's still going to the door. That look. She doesn't turn around to look at him. She opens the door and closes it. And Maverick, this is not the Maverick of the first movie. He's, he's not overwhelmed egotistically because he's been put down or he's musing, he's pensive. He clearly feels something for her. She clearly feels something for him. Neither one of them is um, getting into their passions. Neither one. So in the first movie, all passions. In this movie, restraint. When she closes the door, she almost collapses trying to hold herself up because of what it took to deny him or to deny herself. Are you following? So everything that that movie put forward as this is the ideal of the movie is absolutely turned on its head. So one of, the thre one of the great threshold moments is that. Another threshold moment, just to pull some of these out, when, um, when um, Cyclone comes in after Iceman dies, and he meets with Maverick and says, you're out, I'm taking over. And he goes to the, the group and says, I'm taking over, and the ceiling is raised, and the time is, you know, and then they say, what's that? And they turn around and look at the screen. <laughs> Maverick, Maverick's flying up through. Um, after he accomplished it, the cycle meets and says, um, what to do with you? Um, you've given me every right to have you uh, dishonorably discharged forever. I can do that, or I can risk my career. And the next thing we know is he appoints Maverick as head of the team to lead in for this attack. A threshold moment for cycle. I don't even want to go through them all. Just, just hold on to a couple of them because they're easy to miss. Um, um, sorry. What else? Moments of humility. And I'm going to turn it over to you in a second. Moments of humility. With Maverick getting thrown out is a sort of early one. Uh, Penny for her. The scene of the doorway to me is, is humble. Um, the scene at the window, when they do make love after the... When do they... The first time is when they come back from the sailing. The second time is when... After football. Oh, after the beach scene. Yeah. By the way, I think the beach scene is the turning point of the movie. They're learning... It's coming, and I love that. What's, okay, here you go. What's the name of the song? Don't look at her. Come on. And I rose it down and I forgot it. Anyway, it's that joyful song, you know, where they're playing football and both teams, and, and they're, they're just 
And there's a one scene where Maverick gets knocked down. Yeah, and um, Rooster comes to pick him up and gives him the look. So they're still not together. Um, but it ends with um, Hondo catching the ball and everybody burying him and the girl racing in order. I mean, it's a wonderful scene of joy where they come together and it's after that that they, they're going to have to face the hardest things. But the two of the hardest thresholds in the movie is when um, Cyclone has to um, choose um, two other, two other um, threshold moments that I don't want you to lose uh, sight of. One of them is in the briefing when they're not doing well and um, Hangman says something to Rooster about um, going too slow and letting the past have a place and not knowing what's up. And Rooster says, what do you mean by that? And you, you know the tension's been growing because those are the two most talented men, Rooster and Hangman. And they've been going at each other. Um, and they turn and you know, and Hangman says, you know what I mean. And then he comes forward with it. I would call that a threshold moment in the best way. It's when husbands and wives, parents and children, face a blow-up moment. It just explodes. And it's absolutely essential because if you don't, the most arresting things in our character get buried. They just stay there. So it's a tough, tough moment, yeah? I mean, they're fighting. So this is squad he's trying to pull together, and he's going to go to Iceman after this because things are not looking good. Rooster and Hangman are openly at each other, and it has to do with the past. That's a crucial threshold moment. It has to happen. That past has to come out. Otherwise, it's going to stay buried and affect those guys. And the other is when um, Maverick comes to Rooster after um, the, the two pilots are saved, you know, in the, when the, I think it's when the plane crashes. I mean, he says they're both doing well. And he starts to turn and Rooster gets up and says, why did you pull my papers? It's the first time in the movie that he's been open and confronted the problem with anger. So there's another threshold moment, and it's a threshold. Because it brings a problem from the past out in the open and people have to deal with it. And they're furious. You know, um, Rooster wants to know, and we know from the bedroom scene, that Rooster will never know. That, that Maverick Mag, Mag, uh, did it um, to, um, to keep his promise to his mother. You know, she doesn't know that. So there are these two powerful emotionally threshold moments where the characters have to go beyond themselves to face painful things that they did not want to face. And yet we have, we're left with a sense that if they don't face them, they don't go on. Um, everybody follow me. There are these threshold moments. Set any of that against um, Top Gun 1. You're not going to get close to it. Okay. The last thing, humbling moments. And I'll just mention a couple and you can, you can add in any of your own. It seems to me that the, the, the movie is full of comic moments and humbling moments. I want to just speak about humbling for a second. Maverick is thrown out of the bar and he has to look at the past. Um, Penny closes the door. She's not going to give in because she knows she's facing dangers if she does. Um, the moment when Maverick has to choose his squad and he chooses um, um, Rooster instead of Hangman when everybody would have expected Hangman because everybody knows that there's some problem between Rooster and, and Maverick. And Rooster is amazed and Hangman is amazed. And both are humbled for opposite reasons. Rooster never, got ex never expected to get chosen, Hangman expected to get chosen. So, is everybody following? Amazing things are happening below the surface that's bringing humility to these people. And remember the humility that was, uh, Maverick was bringing in the, when they were doing those hard ops and he was saying, you're dead, tell me what happened. And he's not letting any of them, he's not letting any of them off. No reason we're good enough, they're dead. Um, towards the end, when um, they're set off on a mission and Hagman has to be standby, and um, Rooster is walking towards his plane and, and 
um, hangman is there, and the two meet, and we're watching the guy who's been rejected, who was the maverick of the first movie. Remember that, he's maverick. And he's, he's being held back on this mission. Maverick was held back on the mission until Iceman got in trouble in Top Gun 1, and then Maverick had to leave. Hangman is being held back. Um, but we're watching a different, I mean, Hangman is, he and Rooster are there, and, and they stop, and you know it's a stunning moment of humility, because Hangman says, give them hell, He's wishing him well, and Rooster is sort of speechless because he knows he's taken his place. So most, most, both men have reached a state of humility that they didn't have before because of what um, um, Maverick did. I'd love the scene where Maverick is running towards uh, Rooster in the scene and knocks him over and says, what do you do? And then at the end when they come back, remember that Hangman is there, he puts out his hand, shakes his hand and the two men embrace. It's male heroism humble to its best. So what can you say? And then all the scenes in which Mag, I don't want to go through them, but Mag, uh, Maverick's almost in tears several times in the movie. So here's my two questions, quick. In the middle of the movie, um, when things are going bad, Iceman writes him and says, that's not good, and he wants to see him. <laughs> Maglin says something like, you know, I'm not ready or something, and, and Iceman says, I'm not asking. He's an animal. You know, he has to be obedient. This guy's rescued again and again. They go and have that wonderful talk where Iceman says, the Navy needs Maverick, and so does Rooster. So he sees something in Maverick that Cyclone, Kane, Admirals do not see. And it's during that exchange with Iceman that, um, that, um, that Maverick says, I'm not a teacher. Who I am, I'm a fighter. And um, Iceman says, the Navy needs you, needs Maverick. So two questions. One is, I want to just get them out and then come back. One is, is he a teacher? What kind of a teacher is he? Is he a good teacher? He says, I'm not a teacher. And Iceman says, the Navy needs you. So does Rooster. They need what you have. What kind of a teacher is he? Is he a teacher or not? First question. And the second, which is the ultimate question that, we've been, that I've had put before you since the beginning is, is Christ in this picture or not? Is he working? Is the spirit work? Is there something transcendent? Or are these pagan virtues? How are we going to look at this picture? Let's take the first one first. Is, Mag is Maverick a good teacher or not? He says, I'm not a teacher. So, what do you got? There's a difference of definition between a teacher and someone that shows you how to do it. So, even Ice told him, he says, well, I guess Maverick came back to Ice and says, I'm not a teacher. But he says, we need you because he knows how to show people how to do it. And Hondo catches that ball and 
doesn't know what to do with it, starts, you know, and everybody tapping. It's just a, it's a wonderful sense of spontaneity. It's not by rules anymore. You just have to learn. So it's not, if you do this, it's sort of mass confusion, but you have to bring some order out of it. And they did it with fun. St. Thomas says, <laughs> you do something for the good of that thing itself, not for what you can get out of it. Not for your own ego, not for your own pride. Because if you do that, it'll make you supercilious. It'll make you too proud. You do something because you love that thing. In that beach game, they're all just enjoying each other. You know, it's competitive. They're competing. Um, but they're all laughing, smiling. They're learning to, to be together, to do something in a kind of joy. And it's really interesting. The, 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 whoever did the, I mean, these people amaze me. Maverick, he's retired. He's coming, sat down, and suddenly the shadow comes over his face. And suddenly, you know, remember the animals there? And, and, and cycling, what are you doing? You know, playing, we've got only so much time. Why are you doing this? Because to his mind, it's stupid. And yet, we're watching something happening. And he has a major role in it. He, he's the one playing football with the guys. And then it comes out of it. So, any, anybody else? Is he a good teacher? And if so, why? The first thing a teacher has to do, it seems to me, is not teach a thing. The, the, the thing never gets taught if you don't have his attention of the student to begin with. And so he gives them a reason to follow him. Like all, all, all of his natural talent and skill developed over years, well, his authority's teachers came for free with yeah. He brought them to do what they were supposed to do, so obviously he taught them something. Yeah, and they, I mean, can, can you put that down in ideas? I mean, here, what, I mean, one of the great examples of teamwork, because it's, it's, in some sense, it's one of the major learning people to work together. That in Maverick One, it's, this, it's what we're left with is the ego of the individual person. In Maverick Two, it's people working together to help a, a person become more than he by himself. And when the men go on that exercise and they're killing each other, they're, you know, they're, they're losing their egos, particularly when he says, why are you dead? When they actually do the mission and they come off um, Coffin Corner and they start facing those missiles, all you hear is voices from the plane saying, look out, on your right, on your left, on your left, behind you, where is he now? It's all those men and women working absolutely together. And absolutely, we're, we're watching the culmination of everything that matters. That they, they're looking out for each other, it's instinctive. They're there for each other. It's not a wingman losing, it's all of them. And, Mag, and Maverick comes in to save, I think it was Mr. It seems he's a great teacher because he's living and he's willing to risk and go beyond the book instead of doing everything by the book. And maybe even taking the past forward, even like his experiences from the past and leading by this example. Yeah, and I think, I really think it's in the unknown territory. I mean, he's got to teach them to do what they've never thought about doing or ever been asked to do. Um, it's like, is, is Christ in this movie or not? Are these pagan virtues? Individual excellence, sacrificing yourself for the state. Is this a, are, is Christ present? Is there something Christian? Is this ultimately Christian? Is there Christians? Remember the, 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 the lines I read you from Henry V? No, if, I can't remember his lines, but... Um, he said, I, I didn't do this for wealth, I didn't do it for property, um, um, crowns for convoy put in my purse. Um, um, but if it be a sin to covet honor, I am the most offending soul alive. No faith, my cousin, wish not a man from England, God's peace, I would not lose so great an honor. To, one of the defining virtues of the military is honor. That men learn to honor each other, they learn to honor authority, they learn to give themselves, they die for something they believe in. Um, is this, is there a Christian spirit behind this, or is this pagan? 
true question. Well, it's uh, living in sporty judgment. Pagans, pagans did that. They want, they want everybody to go back alive. Where the pagans wouldn't, wouldn't make that way. Wait, I want to be clear here. The pagans were ready to sacrifice themselves always. Achilles did. Remember, he went back to the Lord and he was going to die. Odysseus, wait, 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 hold Odysseus did. Aeneas risked his life again and again and again for the state, knowing he was going to die. So, is this pagan or Christian? If it's Christian, how? Why? Sorry, go ahead. Well, Christ always had to look out for his brother. They're looking out for each other. They're trying to make sure that everybody goes back alive. Uh, like in the military, you don't leave anybody behind. Right, yeah. yeah. Plus, they supported each other through the mission and the matter. They supported all of them, despite all the different problems they each had. But it, it's the Christian saints that what will we be judged on? We'll be judged on how we love. How we what? How we love. Because the two commandments that they can all of the readings of Islam. You know, love the Lord your God and then love each other. In this I saw love, and, and that love came by matter becoming real, stepping down from the pedestal of, 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 of a virtual hero to becoming the man who cared and loved the woman, the, the, the others to teach them to sacrifice. I'm going to go back to Dante just to clear this up for a minute. You remember when we did the Divine Comedy and Dante was going through the levels of hell. Remember? Descending. And the first one was the virtuous pagans. Virtuous pagans. They were without sin. They weren't being punished. Remember, what we're, what we're showing is it's a different from a Protestant world. Not everybody's damned, or everybody's damned because we can't get to heaven without grace, but, but we're not corrupted. We're not found. We're not depraved. There's a goodness in it. So Dante's first level is the virtuous pagans. And if you remember it, they were all good. Aristotle. Why should, why should Aristotle go to hell? What did he do? What sins? Dante's showing us that uh, natural virtue by itself is not enough to get to heaven. But we're not depraved. That's not That's harsher. That's the Catholic thing. But if you look at it, they're all under this dull light. It's a dim world. There's a castle with a dim light. Nobody's being punished. There's no howls or screaming the way there is at all the other levels. Because they're not being punished. What Dante is showing us is the state of the soul when that soul exists without faith, without hope, without love. That is, there's nothing humorous about that pagan level. They're all solemn and full of dignity. They're all good. I mean, it's like modern, we talk about respectability and the effect it has on our world. Look how good I am, I'm respectable, look what I've achieved. Um, if you're living by faith, hope, and charity, it means I'm assuming that there should be a greater humor, a greater mercy. If you compare the two movies in terms of humor alone, which would be the most humorous? Same forever. I think in some ways it goes to what you talked about at thresholds that it pushed beyond the state, right? Like I think when you talked about the Admiral saying, like you've given me a hard choice, do I do it, risk my career, right? Like I think that was Maverick pushing beyond just doing it for the state, he was doing it. So that I would say would bring it beyond the pagan, the Christian. Yeah. And it does, I think the words more humor in this. Give me examples of humor in this movie. Can you think of any scenes that are funny? Well, where he jumps out the window and pops <laughs> Yes. That's a good one. He jumps out the window, caught. His pants are down. I mean, he's really caught. And, and it's wonderful because we just... We, 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 just, we just supposed to... We just supposed to humor with her saying... Just don't ever break her heart again. Yeah. It's the beautiful tension between sorrows and humor that I think is one of the marks of this movie. When in the opening scene, he is at Mach 4. This is the new Maverick, and he can't resist when he hits Mach 10. 
I mean, it's wonderful to see old, the old, I mean, I just, it's the old maverick. You can see his eyes light up, you know. He gets to walk forward and destroys the plane, and the next scene we see him walking through this, I think it's a Colorado town somewhere or something, and he walks into this restaurant and says, where am I? And everybody's looking, it's like a Martian scientific movie, and the boy looks at him and says, Earth. <laughs> I mean, it seems like that. Give me an other examples of humor. Right. 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 And knocking him down. He's just saved him. I just think he—it's so physical. He's so aggressive. He puts him to the ground. It's one of the funniest scenes I think in the movie. The other around the boat, and she's calm. Well, Right. And he's just hanging on. Yeah. 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 So she in the Yeah. Some of the humor on the, on the Soviet that, or the Soviet aircraft field when they, you know, have to do things to get off. There's some of that is comic. There's a wonderful sense of comedy, and I, I think that's an expression of faith, hope, and charity. That when you're hopeful, if if you're a pagan, if you're a pagan, the end of your life is death. It's a dark world. We've seen that. That's that's it. For a Christian, that's not so. So you should be able to laugh when things get tough because you know that more is going on and more is going to happen. And there's a humor that runs absolutely through that whole movie. Absolutely. It, it seems hold it together, that I don't think you'll find in the first movie. There's a spirit of humor that I think is an expression of a hope. It, I mean, it's not put in religious terms. We're just watching characters act. But go ahead. There's something more. There's something more yeah. like reaching out to that yeah. they talk to yeah. In sorrow. It's not pride. You know, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to show the world. There's such a humility. The two things that more, the two, to me, deepest qualities of this movie that pulled it together are, are humility and humor. With, with all these efforts of brave, these are men who have to be brave, and a woman. But what ties them together is human. Here's the last question, we've got to go. I argue, and if, you, if you've read my notes, be still. If you've read my notes, be still. I'm claiming that at the center of this movie is a scene in which the central intuition of the movie, you know who the we are, that is critics, people reading, we've got to find what that center that governing intuition that holds all of the parts together. What is that? What I'm calling the whole. So you can look at it whole this way, but you can also look at it as that whole as a sort of spot. What's the central intuition, I'm arguing, at the center of this movie that holds the whole thing together that's kept a secret? That's not. So if, if, the, if the surface of this movie is all these men are saying, look at me how good I am. And Phoenix, the woman, look how good I mean, she, she's not going to back down from anybody. One of the most humbling movie, moments of the movie for me is when she said um, to me, I think it was Mav, she said, do you think this really can be done? She's not had that question before. And she's asking it seriously. But I'm arguing there's a scene in the middle of this movie that is virtually understated, invisible, and it perfectly captures what's at the heart of this movie, holding all of it together. And it's treated in a way that almost makes it impossible to see it. If you read my notes, don't say it. But though anybody who's not read my notes, what is it? What am I talking about? We keep talking about Christ's present. We never see him, except in Mass. Except I hope we're going to around more than we think. He's not physically there. But if our faith, hope, and charity are real, we should be seeing him when he's not exhibiting himself, not present. We, we talk about the Spirit as being most present when he's doing something while he's making himself invisible. That's his nature. 
I'm claiming there is a scene at the center of this movie that is doing exactly that. What is it? I should give you a quiz. Go ahead, Bob. Come on. I, I, I think it's Iceland because he's there. He's pulling Maverick from the past to the present and looking to the forward. You have Iceman that he's gotten to the top kind of life, yet here he is very weak and ready to die. His die. Yeah. And then his passing on. So I think Christ is in there and it pulls the whole thing together. It says, here's the gentleman that went from down here with Maverick, left Maverick behind and sent to the Pentagon. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's passing out. Yeah. And here's Maverick still pushing. So the whole scene is. Who wouldn't be where he was without Iceman, you know, risking well, well. Yes, but then again, that, that's another part of Christ being in the movie is that he's still helping this gentleman provide what the world needs. Yeah. You, don't, you didn't need two commanders up there. Yeah. Or you didn't need another gentleman up here telling the guy he can't do his job. Yeah. So that and the whole scene there, I think, is. Yeah, I think it's a really good one. Let me give you, let me flush it, because I think that's a really good one. Let me ask the question this way and see what you make of it. In the middle of the movie, out of nowhere, it's after the lovemaking scene when he has to escape through the window and he has to confront her daughter and she says, just don't ever break her heart again. And it's a funny scene. And by the way, I don't know if I said this, in the Tuck and One, when we see Gillis and Cruz make love, she's naked. And we see silhouettes of their bodies. So it's explicitly sexual. When she leaves the door open and they go inside and we see the two confront each other, um, it's a tender, tender moment. She's got clothes on. He kisses her and then it, like, it, it jumps. It, it, we go to a scene where the two of them are in bed talking together. There's no dwelling on sex, no passion. They are exchanging intimacies, truthful. And one of the beautiful things I think about Penny is, you know, she, they're talking about difficult decisions they've made. She said she had to learn to let go of her daughter a little bit. Um, and um, he talk, talks about the trouble he's having with the rooster, and she asks why. I don't know if you picked it up. Watch her face. When she asks him why, she's serious. She really wants to know what, what's at issue. And when he tells her, she gets off her elbow as if she has to take a different position because she realizes it's far more serious than she thought. Whoever did the directing in this movie, I thought was brilliant. It's a little subtle thing like that, but what we, what we see is Peggy, or Penny, sorry, really wants to know. When, when she learns that he pulled the papers, it's like she's ready to accuse him. She doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't. Um, accuse him, but it's, it's as if there's a problem there and she doesn't understand it and she says, why? And then he explains it and he says, you know, he made this vow with the mother and she sees it. But there's this wonderful humility in the exchange between them as lovers. The focus is not on sexual passion. It's on the two of them as persons learning to take in something from inside the other. What's going on? And we all know how risky that is open ourselves to another, the pains of another, the sufferings of another. Um, where's it going? So humility is an extraordinary. Any other quick, like, oh here, here's the circle. I think your example is good. Let me offer another one. In the middle of the movie, after the lovely can see, after that scene, we see Maverick showing the bar. Okay, you guys, put your hats on in this one. Maverick shows up at the bar. Every scene before has been casual. Levi's. He shows up in the bar in his dress white, decorated. And he goes over to her and whispers something in her ear. We don't hear it. So here it is. It's not that he's saying, look at me. This is what I'm saying. Right? Are you following? Here's heroic masculinity. Look at me, look at me, how strong, how good. And you've got a guy in his dress uniform, white. Formal. He comes up and whispers something in her ear. We don't hear it. The next scene cuts to the beach where they're standing next to each other, looking at the sea. Suddenly she turns. I just love it. She does. They do not kiss. She turns the two together and she puts her arms around 
him. And then he'll speak again. Now my question is, what's going on in that scene? What did he say to her? And why are you guys not on top of this? No, it's before he goes on the it's before he goes on the flight and he may die. But I got it from your notes and I said, if you if you read my notes, I don't want to hear from you. I can't say no. it because for once I know the answer. No, I want somebody who's not looked at my notes. <laughs> Come on, those of you who've not read my notes, what's going, because you're following how mysterious it is? I mean, everything else is so out of the open. In this scene, he whispers something to her. We don't hear it. She, she, she looks at him very seriously. Whatever it is he says, it evokes from her a very serious look. She's not agitated. She's not excited. The two of them are so weather mature. Next scene on the beach. Quiet. They're looking to see in heaven. It's not romantic at the beachside. The two are there looking at the sea, and suddenly, quietly, solemnly, she turns. They do not kiss. She puts her arms around him, and what's going on? And if anybody's read the notes, do not. What's going on? It's at the center of the movie. It's silent. What's going on? Robert? We read the no, notes. No, okay. Say He's doing what? Told her he's leading the mission. Leading the mission. I think he's proposed marriage. <laughs> but is that why she's gone at the end when he comes to the bar? Say Yes. When he comes to the bar at the end, oh. she's gone with her daughter. Explain it. Why? Make, I mean, make sense. That. Why, did, why does the film do that? Because it didn't have to end that way. That's a good question. Maybe she rejected the marriage. <laughs> I don't think she so. Did, but then she showed up at the hangar. Yeah, I don't think so. And she showed up without a big, a big thing. And he yeah. was like, oh yeah. gosh, she's not here. But then he sees the daughter in the mirror. Yeah. And that was verifying the engagement and that she was on board. Why I was she gone, though, to... then? Sorry. What do you think? Why was she gone? when? Why because did... I... I, th I think it's such a good question. I think the reason they do that in this movie is for the reasons I've been giving about the two movies. They're trying to do everything they can to take romantic love out of this. Yeah. Because in a movie, you've done this great thing. What's the next scene to happen? You've done this great thing. It's like, remember, we've talked about this with Odysseus. You run to your wife thinking, oh, I'm this great hero. And, you know, it takes all of that away. It takes all of it. She's, here, I, here, or, I'm going to stress this. Because I, I think... I think he's proposing marriage. Remember when he went out the window and he says, okay, I'll do it, but I will never do this again. I'll never leave you again. He drops and she says, the daughter, just daughter, he, he has said, I will never, he's made a vow. He's made a vow. Hold on, because one of the, one of the beauties of that scene for me, if I'm reading it right, I think I'm is that it involves a complete self-effacement. He's committed himself. How many men in heroic comedies propose marriage in the right way? It's so quiet and understated. He's proposing. He's giving a vow. He's made a vow. I will never leave you again. He's dressed up. I think he's saying, will you marry me? And her look, and the two of them, the beach, they are married. They know. Set that against Top Gun 1. Passion, passion, passion. It ends with passion. But also in Top Gun 1, Kelly McGillis disappears for a while. Right. So maybe that's another just added congruency of the two movies. When yeah, I, she I just, is not there when, she comes when he comes. Back, yeah. if you, if you they both come back. I mean, they come back. In, yeah. The girls come back in both movies. Yeah. But they leave. I, it's just, it, if you look at the movie, it, the song that they play, what's the song of the name of it? Um, <laughs> but you know, Penny is also, a lot of people don't know, Penny is the Penny Benjamin, the Admiral's daughter from the first one. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Did I've been wondering who she was. She's like that. Okay, so it goes, it goes Penny, and you remember in the first one, right? Where Goose, he goes, and, and you did when they got called in after the flyby in, in Top Gun 1. They did the fly by the tower, and they called the men and said, "You're going to be, you know, sent down." And Goose was all upset. And he goes, and "You've done this, and you've flown by two towers, and one admiral's daughter." Yeah. And Goose, 
looks at Maverick and says, yeah. And then, and then the admiral, and then the guy says, and you, asshole, you know, you're going to be on the ship with a rubber dog, you know, whatever. And so that's why I think they brought her in, that's Penny Benjamin, because she, her dad was, she mentions it, was an admiral. Okay. I'm not sure it's the same one. And so that's that how she, yeah. well, yeah. we just thought that that was, yeah. that's how they brought that in, and because they had a Yes. They did. Just, they did they indicate that. Yeah. 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 We here. Uh, we got. We got. We've got to stop. One of the things I'd like you to hold on to when you think about this movie. Watch it again. Watch the first movie because if you've not seen the first movie, you won't see the way the second movie is changing scenes. What it does because it makes us as we watch the second scene. We're carrying the first movie with us, so the meaning is far deeper than what appears on the surface. The, and the, one of the points I just want to leave you with is, it seems to me one of the things that makes this movie special is that it goes to love as a self-effacing virtue. So even though the movie is a celebration of male virtue, heroic military virtue, navy, and strength and power and courage, at the center of this movie there's this strange scene where we don't hear anything but it follows a different scene, and I think it's, I think it's fairly certain that what happens in that moment is that he proposes marriage, and they, because of the way they do it, we don't hear anything. It's, it's they're doing with the form what the theme of the movie is. We don't hear it, we don't see it. There's a display. It is absolutely formal, ceremonial, and self-effacing. And it's time to go here well, before, because they won't even say that. But on your way out, please do this. There's a ton of food. Please, please, all of you, would you all take a plate or something and take some food home? There's plenty of uh, main courses, and there's plenty of dessert. And be sure you, in some time in the next six months, watch Top Gun 1 and Top Gun 2 and put them together and see what you do. You know what Father Flynn said about you at 9 a.m. last when he said about the movie, during the announcement, he introduced you, I mean, he talked about you, but what he said is interesting, he says, this guy is somewhat just like this doctor. Sorry, he said what? He said, this professor, you know, he's from the UD, he said, he's someone of a movie buff, and he just has this quality about taking a movie and pulling things out of it that you would never Never have. Real Where's Bob? Thank you. Where's Bob going? Thank you. Where, yeah. Where did Bob Bob? Where are you? Are, are these Are these things I'm putting in the movie or are they there? No, you put them out of it.
Oops.